It is 9.35 and now Gardening with Barb and Karen. Joining us now, our good friend Ms. Barb Lampson. Barb, how are things? It's just been a little too wet and cold to do a whole lot. You know what, Karen? It has been too wet and too cold. And I've had a cold. And <laughs> <You> so <laughs> in a way, it was very easy to stay in the house sure. and to take care of myself. And also, even though it was cold and wet, do you know I was watching the pollen count daily? And it was off the chart it was as high as it goes so it's probably for, tree pollen is my guess it is the tree pollen that's that's what we're dealing with right now now yesterday it went down just uh just a notch into just the high range but so if you have allergies uh you might want to put on a face mask so you're not breathing all that the other thing you told me that i thought was really interesting barb you're also watching the soil temperature and yes. it went up but then it actually went down again yes oh well, let's just talk about that yeah. a little bit because um uh, i look in the paper and Wasika at their uh, lab station over there, they check the soil temperature every day and they check it at two inches. And it, it went up, it went up into the fifties. Oh, it was in the fifties. Wow. Yes, okay. yes, it did. And and then it went back down to forty-three. Yeah. And so I called Shane yesterday at the extension service and I said, Now, Shane, I know that when uh, we're looking for crabgrass control, it's very important to put the pre-emergent, which it means that it's going to inhibit the seeds of the crabgrass so they don't sprout in the first place. Right. That is very dependent on the temperature being the right the, uh, the right amount at the right stage. And he said, yeah. And I said, well, is is it about now? I mean, the te soil temperature is 43. Because I always heard that it was, well, you do that about the time the forsythias bloom, which they're starting to bloom now. So what did he say? So he said, nope, we've missed it. Because... Oh. April 22nd, there was a spike in the soil temperature because we had those warm days. Right. And the temperature was up between 50 and 55. That's the optimum temperature. Ooh. And if it holds there for two days, those weed seeds... Have sprouted? They <gasps> they germinate. Ooh. And so he said, "You." Could, I said, well, you know, w weed seeds don't always germinate at the same rate. And he said, no, that's true. He said, you might go through and you might put um, crabgrass uh, control on, but he said, it's it's not really going to be as effective as Ooh. if you did it at the right time. Because you know the lawn services, if you said you wanted that service, they're going to be out there doing it regardless of... Right, and it's been yeah. wet, and so the, and people are thinking, you know, even if you've got a number in your head, like like it's the optimum temperature is between 50 and 55, and that's what I have to get it on before then, you think you've got lots of time. You don't realize how, even though... It, the, it can even be almost overcast, and the soil is still warming if the temperature is high enough, uh, even though you don't have that direct sun. So uh, this is an important thing. And he also said, you know, um, an important thing is, where is the grass that you're going to be treating? If it's shadier, there's gonna, it's going to stay cooler longer. So, and if it's out, out on the south side, well... It had warmed up, and you missed that opportunity. Well, you know, that's really interesting. So, I mean, people are going to be out there thinking, like, oh, I better do it now. But like you said, some of that may already be ahead. It's past. Yeah, so if you're getting weeds, don't blame the, the weed killer. And, and I would say this. It's so easy to call our 
uh, extension service and ask for Shane. He is such an expert on grasses and and so easy to talk to. As a matter of fact, I talked to him a little bit about, um, you know how it is when you're sick and you have time on your hands? (laughs) Yes. You read a lot and you worry more about these things. And I was reading more about uh, Palmer Amaranth. And it's been in the newspaper almost every day. It's a terrible, terrible invasive weed. It is. And when we say it's a terrible invasive weed, we don't realize what an economic disaster that could be to our farmers. That uh, weed could take out 80% of a crop. If it gets in your field, you could have an 80% lower rate of uh, germination of plants growing. So for a farmer, it could be devastating, especially with the the markets, uh, the uh, uh, what's been going on with them, that we just haven't had the price that we should have for our crops. So the thing, I said, well, who... Who is it that's supposed to be responsible for making sure that we don't have Palmer Amaranth coming into Minnesota? And he said that is uh, the Department of Agriculture. And they are inspecting. And what had happened in this case that they reported on just last week was that the uh, Amaranth had come in with the sunflower seeds. And then the sunflower seeds were fed to the cattle. And then the cattle... Well, they did their business. Right. And then a farmer went, and he got uh, this manure to spread on his field, and he just spread it out. And he said, what's making this so complicated is that the Palmer amaranth, the way you identify that is by DNA. So they have to check the DNA of the seeds to make sure what it is. So his advice is, don't move anything around. Don't be sure you know what you're doing. He told me of uh, what happened in North Dakota, what they're thinking happened in North Dakota. They didn't have Palmer amaranth, and then all of a sudden they did. And they believe that they tracked it down to a person who bought a piece of farm equipment, a combine. It was used, brought it from Ohio to North Dakota, didn't clean it up properly, and spread the weed that way. And this a weed is so devastating because the herbicides just can't, they just can't handle it. It grows so fast, it'll grow eight feet tall, produces thousands of seeds. You know, every, it's every the same season. thing with that emerald ash borer, the same thing. You, you unknowingly transport it, just like the, the amaranth seeds, and that's why it's so important just to pay close attention to what you're doing. But I, I just don't think that crosses a lot of people's minds. I don't think so either. And one person may think, well, what I'm doing isn't going to make a difference. Right. But it does. It really goes to show you that it does. Um, and the same thing is when you when you haul your boat around from lake to lake, be sure that you follow all the rules. If if they're looking for the uh, zebra mussel, be sure that you're inspecting because they will hang on your boat forever. And you go in the water and they'll let go and then you start them there. Yep, so, and then, then, then they get out of control and there's really a, not a lot you can do. Yeah, that is so true. Well, having been sick and <laughs> missing out on the opening up of all the nurseries around, I just thought... Maybe yesterday was my day to get out. And well, uh, we did too. Uh, my son Grant and I, because Grant, you know, Barb is going to be starting a lily garden because we cut down a 
couple really big trees. Yes. And so we went to the nursery as well yesterday. Well, that is such a great thing. And it's so great if if you're going to do something with your kids, they should be involved in every aspect of it. The selection, reading the labels, you know, that is so important. And letting them decide for themselves and discussing with you and discussing with so many of these nurseries they have. Just excellent people that are willing to work with you, give you good advice. And it's good for them to have a sounding board like that. Well, he uh, met uh, Michelle out at Edenvale, and she she took us from, tr- uh, where he was looking for some ornamental trees as some bones for his lily garden. Mm-hmm. So he went from tree to tree, and we went back across the lot, back to the back and forth and back and forth, and he kept reading. And, uh, you know, just... Just looking at every detail, this gets this tall, this wide, okay, this, this, and this. And he was just, you know, he's 15 now, and uh, he's he's autistic, so this is he has real specific interests. And she was so great working with him, and so he picked out what's called a sergeant cherry. It's an ornamental cherry tree, mm-hmm. and he picked out a weeping pea shrub, mm-hmm. which is just kind of adds a lot of texture, mm-hmm. and then uh, also a totem blue spruce. I don't know if you've ever heard of these, but they get 12 to 15 feet tall, but only two to two, three feet wide. Yeah. So they'll add a nice um, structure to uh, a garden, flower garden. I think it must be similar to the North Pole, which um, is really grown for that very, very reason, very specific reason that it's very narrow. And uh, uh, these are specimen things you you're doing one of these you're not doing a whole row of them yeah they're they're your they're what they call your your main attraction that sure yeah. the focal point yes yes exactly well you know talking about going to the nursery uh, be sure that you if you wear reading glasses like I do <laughs> be sure you've got your reading glasses with and your notes with because it's so easy to become confused once you get there and think now how was I going to use this or where was I going to use this and read the labels uh, if the right plant for the right place that's a winning combination every time now you went over to Faribault yesterday too. I was in Faribault and my wonderful husband David honestly he pushed the card again for me this year and and he said fill her up <laughs> do you need more do you need this one did you find this where you know and it's so helpful but lots of lovely lovely plants and uh it was actually better than a visit to the doctor by the time <laughs> Stopped at the Dairy Queen and got a Buster Bar on the way home. It was a perfect day. The weather was nice. And so many friendly people. You know, it's so interesting. Um, I don't know if when men shop that they stop and visit with other people in the aisle that are looking for things. No, haven't you seen that cartoon where they show when a man goes in a store it's from point A to point B. When a woman goes, it's like this maze. Do, 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 yep. do, do, Yeah. Yep. That's the family circus. That's exactly <laughs> right. And we backtrack and we look at this and we go back and, and, and there'll be, you know, people are so delighted making their purchases. They're just all so um, happy to be out and to be doing this. And you can see they're just dreaming. Lady was carrying a bunch of plants in her hand and she was trying to match up something with it. And, and you could just 
almost see the wheels of her brain turning as she was thinking, I need to get just the right color combination here. What is the right color combination? And when there's so many beautiful plants, you could you really won't go wrong. Whatever you do, you got healthy plants, you got them planted right, uh, they're going to be just beautiful. You're going to be shocked, surprised. And, you know, I know you can get some of your plants cheaper at some of the big box stores, and I'm not saying never get them there, because I have too, but some of what you're paying extra for, I mean, the care, they do a lot better care at the nurseries because they generally know how to water them and et cetera. But it's some, a lot of it's the expertise that you'll get when you ask questions, like you said, for yeah. the right plant, for the right place versus right. if you just go in and say, oh, I think this looks pretty and plop yeah. it in. You might be sorry down the line because it's too big or not the right plant well, for that place. And especially when you're, when you're dealing with uh, a container garden or a, just a container pot or for uh, a window box, they really have to have the same watering requirements. You know, if you've got yeah, in some, one pot, right? Yes, if you've got something that's very thirsty and needs to be watered often, and then something that wants to dry out first, that's not a winning combination for you. So look at the watering requirements as well as uh, sun and shade. How much will they take of each? For example, you wouldn't want to put a succulent, even though it might look really cool, in a pot with something that requires a lot of water. Like a fern. Yeah, like a fern, for example. That's two opposites. Because if you you water according to the succulent, you're going to dry out the fern. If you water according to the fern, you're going to drown the succulent. So it's really important. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So take your time. Get a cart. Gee, you know, if you have someone that goes with you. Um, my <laughs> husband's pretty agreeable, though. If I ask yeah. him what he thinks, oh, it looks fine. It looks fine. You I know? know mine, too. It's like, well, well, do you really want it? If you want it, go ahead. Yeah. Exactly. You need you need more than one. Do you need two? Exactly. Is three enough? You might as well get what you need now. <laughs> That's my husband. Same thing. So it's, it's, it's a real joy. And then he loads them up in the car, and he puts them in the greenhouse for me. And, I mean, it's just like queen for a day. Makes gardening really, really easy. But I just wanted to say, I I spent just a very short time outside yesterday uh, sitting on the grass and reaching into my perennial flower bed. So I, I can't get in there because it's too wet. And the reason I was reaching across, I was doing some hand weeding. I have this really large, large flowering crab. And that plant puts down so many seedlings. And here I am. I am. And these things, I mean, you can't use a hoe or anything like that. And it's too wet to do that anyway. So I'm pulling these out by hand. And they, these seeds, they get into small, small places. Oh, yeah. And, and into a flower that they, sh- you know, and they're crowding that out. So you've got to get them out before they develop any kind of a root at all on them. And I thought, I, there must be thousands. Well, I thousands. did the same thing last night. I went out to the lake house and was, you know, just kind of surveying things because I hadn't been out there for a couple weeks. And so many seedling, a lot of us, those amour maples. Oh, yeah. they are just like little weed seeds. And there were so many, and they're just cute little things. But, what, you know, you just pluck, pluck, pluck. But it's like it's like plucking hairs. But if yes. you don't, like you said, they'll get the roots, and then they're not so easy. So That's right. And, and it's better not to disturb the soil and bring up more weed seeds. You're much better right. off here to just keep plucking out like that. I even took, I even had my, um, my dandelion 
thing where digger. With the digger yeah so so because there's some uh, dandelions in and I got those out but I noticed that it's still very very wet so I stayed on the stepping stones and just reached yes. out otherwise yes. I would compact that and that's not a good thing yeah so now I've got this uh, a nice little clear spot and you look at that and I think well now that wasn't bad but then I look at the next 70 feet or so and I think wow I'm going to be on my hands and knees here for a long time <laughs> doing this hopefully though what will happen is things will dry off a little bit and we can get some mulch on them and the mulch will then hold uh, those weed seeds down too. Do you think it's still too early to put mulch down? Yeah I do. I do too yeah. Yeah, And I, the, I'm glad you mentioned that Karen because there are a lot of things that haven't broken dormancy yet and one of those things are the uh, uh, the Japanese painted ferns mm -hmm. they are not coming up in my yard yet they're no, slow they're very slow like the hardy hibiscus slow yeah very very slow and also um, the one of the pulmonarias one of the more specialty ones where I've got that planted nothing 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 coming I mean I have the stake in there it will come and I know that it, it, it will come but you just have to be patient now don't get out in this there and start moving around just don't do that I know it's so tempting though especially when you see that there's not very much there's a lot of space because the plants haven't f filled yes. up so then I'm like oh look I've got room for more yeah and you know then I think back and look at look at pictures from last year Karen look at how full this was <laughs> and then you say maybe I really don't have room for more there and you know I have you know what a water leaf is it's a native plant it looks it has like little kind of hmm it looks like it would be wet spots on the leaves. It's which like may, a little fan sort of. It, but I'll tell you what, when it gets to the optimum spot, I thought there's something in my garden. It came up first and it's so healthy. That must be a new plant. And so I waited and I watched. I put a little fence around it so nothing would eat it up. <laughs> and I waited some more and it kept getting bigger and it got wider. And now it's about 10 inches across the base and it's beautifully round shaped. And I thought, that is a perfect plant for right here. It's close to the front. It's water leaf. It's the most healthy water leaf plant I've ever seen. Normally, they grow in lots of shade, and and you get it's not it's not a rounded cushion shape like this is. And now I'm thinking, maybe it's a new form of water leaf. Maybe this will be do better. Maybe maybe I should leave this right here. So now I've kind of fallen in love with it. You know okay. because. Because now they, they spread quite, oh because, well, they, yes. they planted them out, out at the lake house where we have, because on the hillside, it's hard to grow things. So that sure. was something they started. But I've also noticed it's popping up all over in the lawn, too. Oh, it does. It yeah. does. So, it, I mean, I like it. The hillside, fine, but stay there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I don't know if I should just let this have this spot or if I should just, you know, cut my losses and get rid of it now. Does, but Does it spread by seeds or rhizomes? Well, I think it's seeds because it gets that, that pink flower. So maybe what you need to do is cut those flowers off before they have a chance to go to seed. But maybe I want, yeah, before they go to seed, but I want to see it bloom. Right, right. Wouldn't it be something if, if I have this water leaf that's mound shape and it's, and it's just covered? Variety? Which reminds me of uh, something else I wanted to talk about, which is the uh, uh, Gomprina. Gomprina. Oh, yes, I saw that in the paper. They had an yeah. article about the, uh, and I've never planted those. My husband has always talked about them. They're sort of like little puffballs on top of uh, they are. stem. And this one, this is uh, truffla, 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 truffla pink. pink. And 
I had a different version of this. I didn't think it was all that attractive, but I had one single plant. Mm-hmm. It just didn't look like I didn't like. Not the, wow. No, it it wasn't a wow thing, but but it was in this week's paper. What? Um, yeah, this is in Wednesday's Home and Garden section. And they described the it as what the new plant of the <laughs> yeah. summer or something. Yeah, this and this article is written by Norman Winter. My favorite he's a syndicated columnist but he's from georgia i've met him he was the director at the intercoastal botanical gardens just very knowledgeable person it can be grown here for uh uh, minnesota it's a zone four and uh bees love it butterflies love it so and he's in this this picture they're showing almost a it looks like a field of it but it's if it's that great, especially I was thinking about you know those roundabouts that we have now. Oh, that'd that they, be a great plan. Wouldn't for those. that be a great one if 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 that thing was just filled with this? So how long does it bloom for? See, the other thing I always look for too, because there was plants I was looking out when I Grant and I were out and about looking for you know different plants at the nursery, and I said, well, how long does this bloom for? And it's like, well, a week. Well, then to me, sometimes that's not worth it because a lot of perennials are short blooms. So right. I would want to know, is this something that's going to last for a while? Because I want more bang for my buck. So you know, and that can be, you have to be really careful with that too. But if you take a look at daylilies, if if you have a daylily that has several spikes and on each spike you have 10 or 15 blooms, it blooms a long time. True. It's just that the individual Flowers only last one day. True, that's with hardy hibiscus. I mean, I get the, those blooming from mid-July through September, right. and but the flower individually lasts for one day. Right, right. So read that very carefully too. So we might we might be seeing this at our nurseries. We can certainly ask for it, and it is gomprina, and um, and the one they're talking about is truffalo, 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 truffalo pink, truffalo pink. Right, right. Uh, it looks absolutely gorgeous. Bees like it. So how can we go wrong there? And I have to say, um, you know, my little experiment with using my cold frame to plant things in. Yes. Uh, and, and these are the uh, things like spinach and lettuce and radishes. Uh, things are looking great in there. And I've had the the door of it open so that it's gotten the sun and that and it's gotten all that rain coming in and uh, uh, things are that that for me might be the best way to grow things because I can close it if I'm if I'm watching for rabbits and things like that the Uh, bad news at my house uh I had been nursing these tulips in the front and yesterday morning I went out and my tulips were eaten off by deer. They just oh. came down the driveway, and you can tell Jumped it, off the tops. Yeah, they, it's, it's not a thing. rabbit, because it doesn't go, they, they're not chewed off at a 45 degree angle. They just come right down on top of the thing, I think, with their mouth, and just snip, the whole thing comes right off. So it's, it's a- And I'm thinking the buds must be tasty like candy, because they, they just love it. And the only ones that haven't been chewed off in my yard are the ones that I put wire over top. Yes. But otherwise, it's just a sad. But the daffodils, on the other hand, they don't touch. So, I mean, part of me says, I'm just going to plant more daffodils. They, they have different varieties. Some that, some are more pink, some are more white, some are more yellow. And just say, tulips are too f- 
much work for where we are because of the deer. And you know, another thing that might work for you, Karen, and I suppose maybe tomorrow morning I'll wake up and I'll find these are gone, but the species <laughs> tulips, those are the unhybridized ones, and they're short. They're, they're very short. They're very, very short. Um, they bloom, they, they make a cushion, and, and the flower itself it opens up and splays out just really a nice looking plant they're not as showy as anything else no but they They have color they haven't been interested in them so but maybe that maybe that's not enough of a bite for them right because it's too close to the ground probably yeah that could be it too so i don't know the things that that work for me uh are the uh uh the uh uh the uh rose bushes that, that that I cut off. I had these really prickly rose bushes, mm-hmm. and also the, the so the, the thorny branches mm-hmm. and the barberry, and those uh, branches that I kept long, and I poked them in alongside Ooh. of the tulips, and also I had a small fence around there. They are safe. It so was, the ones you so so you just deter them with a little hardware, basically. Well, mostly with that natural stuff. The ones that just had the the uh, hardware, they managed to eat those oh, anyway. Okay. So, but they don't like that those spiky things. Well, I I was um, pruning my roses. I've got a few bushes out at the the lake house, and let me tell you, I had rubber gloves on. Ouch! I need. <laughs> Leather gloves oh, yeah. for that. <laughs> yes. You know that uh, rosebush Easy Elegance? That is really one that is really thorny and spiky. Oh, okay. That is That's the ones I had yesterday. I had oh, three of those. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what I'm talking about then. But they were bred for Hardy for Minnesota. So, you know. And they, they are easy. They don't get black spot. Uh, they, however, do get the Japanese beetle. It will go on the, on the rose buds themselves and on the blooms as they're opening up. And I'm guessing they'll get the soft light rose slug because that's one thing I've had a problem with every year is those darned old little slugs i haven't had that yet but who knows maybe yeah well and that's with anything so and they sometimes they say the insects go in cycles so some years with the japanese beetles are worse than others i know i had somebody saying to me about they had a japanese beetle problem how how can they prevent it and they said well you know we got those traps and i said oh no 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 that's why you have a bigger problem because they're attracted to that pheromone in those traps and so instead of going to your neighbors they're like "Mm." here we are and the more you have the more come because they smell have that pheromone smell so uh, those are not really a good thing even though they say well yes it does trap some but then you get all those others that are busy eating right right. i just had one question about rhubarb one of our caller called in and said that they had black spots on the rhubarb leaves can you use them any way well sure but i said rhubarb you shouldn't eat the leaves rhubarb leaves are always poisonous you're not eating them anyway but could you use the rest of the rhubarb oh yeah yeah. sure you could so so that's just normal what thank you barb great chatting with you we'll be back again next week all right happy gardening thanks enjoy the sun When it's here. (laughs) All right. You are listening to A Minnesota Morning on the Maverick at KMSU Radio 89.7 FM in Mankato and KMSK 91.3 FM in Austin online at KMSU.org. Broadcasting from the campus of Minnesota State University.